Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. feel it in the air can you feel it in the studio can you feel my energy it is the indiana outdoor show opening weekend 68th annual ford boat sport and travel show couldn't be more excited to be with you today and each and every saturday but we will be out there a little later on and we're going to be out there all afternoon and we're going to bring you the indiana outdoor expertise but we're doing it for the Renfro Productions we're going to be doing long format stuff and I couldn't be more excited today we're going to visit with one of those who's going to be with me in just a couple of hours believe it or not in longer format stuff Mark Martin Mr. Walleye he's going to join us I can't wait he's one of my favorites we visited with him a couple years ago truly one of the nicest guys and if you want to know anything about walleye fishing he's your man so save that for a little later and uh, hopefully we'll catch him because I know he's been very busy since he's been in town. Sam DeWeese from our Department of Natural Resources is going to join us. And they the DNR has a huge presence out there. We're going to find out what you can expect from him. Tom Nauman is going to kick things off here in just a minute. You know him as the Morel Maniac, morelmania.com. He is wildly popular. He's going to be there next weekend at the Deer Turkey Waterfowl Expo. Glad we were able to catch him before he made his trip to Indianapolis, but I don't want to take any more time. We're going to visit with Tom Nauman, the Morel Maniac. I have so many questions. I take notes every time I talk to him, and hopefully you will too, but uh, one of the most popular guys next weekend. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. I am your host, Brian Pointer. Don't go anywhere. We're going to be back right after this. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show, and I couldn't be more thrilled to be with you because it is the opening weekend of the Deer Turkey, or the Deer Turkey Waterfowl. See, I've already got it on my brain. It's the 68th Annual Ford Boat Sport and Travel Show opening weekend, so I'm like a little kid in a candy store. I haven't missed one in 40 years, and a little later today, as I've mentioned, we're going to be out there doing some broadcasting and some little extended conversations with some of the great folks who make it such a great uh, place to be this time of the year in mid-February. Of course, we made it through Valentine's Day. Sometimes that conflicts. We don't have that problem this year, so hopefully you took care of your secret Valentine. That's someone special, maybe a little secret admirer. Who knows what was in the works? But we're through that. Now we got a clear run for the next uh, couple weekends here. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, one of my favorite people who's here, whether it's the Deer Turkey Waterfowl Expo or it's any other time of the year, especially in the spring, is one of my favorite people. Tom Nauman, my favorite Morel Maniac, morelmania.com. It's so great, Tom, to visit with you and anticipation of your visit. And you're one of the most popular booths at the Deer Turkey Waterfowl Expo, which opens up Wednesday. And the people that crowd around to get your goods, to get your materials, to pick your brain, to talk about morels, 
is pretty unbelievable because you walk down those aisles and there's already a lot of people there, but you know where Tom is because there's a big crowd around you. First and foremost, how you been? What have you been up to? Uh, well, I've been just plugging along. I, uh, my workshop burnt to the ground on uh, the day before Thanksgiving. What? Rebuilding. Yeah. I've been rebuilding and retooling, and I'm going to end up with a brand new workshop out of the deal. So I'm not too upset, but set me back time-wise, that's for sure. Boy, I'm telling you what, you're taking this a lot better, and I know a little bit of time has passed. I had no idea, especially right before Christmas, and I know how popular all of your handmade oh, yeah. handmade <laughs> stuff is and your your gifts. I mean, what in the world happened? I, I had some 18-hour days. <laughs> what in the heck happened? Well, I thought it was probably the wood stove got out of control, but the insurance inspector said, no, it was probably a mouse chewing through the wires. Were you home? So, that, yeah, I was home. I was down there working. It's 200 feet from the front door, and my son showed up, so I came up to have coffee with him, and all of a sudden we heard a big explosion, and, and the window sh- sh- shook, and I thought it was the neighbor across the road. He does some target practicing for deer, and, Anyway, a little while later, we heard a couple smaller pops, and my wife said, gee, how many shots does it take to get a deer? (laughs) (laughs) And then she went outside and came in screaming, your shop's on fire, and it was terrible. Oh, my goodness. That had to be so traumatic. Yeah, I'm glad it wasn't a windy day because it would have spread into the valley and probably took three houses. Tom, I'm uh, devastated to hear that, but it sounds like things are getting getting put back together and you made it through the holidays, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I was I was prepared. Um, first thing I did was grab the garden tractor and cut a fire break where the fire was spreading toward uh, our ravine because if it would have gotten there, it would have been bad. But uh, that stopped that and the fire, four fire departments showed up and they did a good job putting it out. But it's all cleaned up now and and I'm just waiting for spring to get started on rebuilding. Fortunately, I've got four buildings, or I had four, now I've got three. And I was able to move the workshop into one of the other buildings for a while. So, all's not lost. Tom Nauman, my favorite guest of uh, just devastating news to hear, but it sounds like there's sunrise ahead for you and morel mania is going to continue because you are probably one of the country's foremost experts on morel mushrooms. And we talk usually here in just a few weeks about, you know, the update on morels and all that good stuff. But your appearance at the Deer Turkey Waterfowl Expo Wednesday through Sunday, as I mentioned, is one of the most popular. It's a highlight. A lot of people love your stuff and love your gear and I told you that uh, during COVID, I had one of your puzzles. It's one of my favorite things that I did during COVID and the lockdown, and I had it framed. It was it was a ball buster. Let me just tell you that. It was no easy <laughs> yeah. puzzle, but it kept me busy for a couple of weeks, and it was so pretty when I got done, and I framed it, and on the back, I wrote my COVID project and put the date on it, and I know, <laughs> I know you have so many fans out there, but what can people expect to see now that you've got a little bit of a setback? Are you still going to have some of your stuff? Oh yeah, yeah. I'll have I'll have a full line of inventory. It's funny you mentioned that the company's going to carry on because it was Thanksgiving Eve of 1992 when I had this premonition of starting this business, and uh, 30 years later, on, on Thanksgiving Eve, 
<laughs> this workshop burnt to the ground. Well, I am so yeah. glad that you have a great attitude, and I'm glad to hear that you've yeah. recovered and you'll be coming here and bringing your wares. Uh, why do you think people are so fascinated with morels? They're they're mysterious. You know, all of a sudden they're just there, and 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 people think, "Wow, look at that!" <laughs> yep. Incidentally, um, we've had the first morel sighted in the continental United States. Whereabouts? Already. Uh, southern Georgia on uh, February 10, just uh, about six days ago. There was a there. There's been sightings in California and Hawaii. Now Hawaii morels grow year round. Um, California season is typically oh late November through February. But they're they're a different kind of morel. They're the landscape morel. Uh, maybe a little bit different flavor, a little bit different in texture, but they're still good. But that's common for that time of year. For us, we're probably two weeks ahead of schedule if if the weather pattern holds. And usually, so, I know I ask you this because you are the the morel whisperer, and typically, I think you've said from tax day to Memorial Day. Is that right? Tax day to mid May. Tax day to mid May. For your area and mine both, this latitude. And the season travels about 100 miles a week northwards. So if you calculate from southern Georgia to here, you kind of get an idea. But, again, it, it depends. A lot depends on the amount of moisture we get in the ground in March. March and early April. That's That's a critical thing. Snow cover is good. As long as it melts slowly and soaks into the ground and doesn't just wash into the rivers and lakes, but uh, it, it it's probably going to be a little early. Now, the earliest we've ever found any here was March 23rd, and that was 2012, and that was one of the worst years ever because it was hot and dry, and I think I found a total of six morels that year locally, um, but then... 2003 was a bumper crop, or 2013, the next year. So this is the next year after, you know, it's 10 years later. Maybe we'll see a good crop. Well, we're visiting with Tom Nauman, morelmania.com. He's my favorite maniac out there. And, you know, you've accumulated a lifetime of knowledge. And I ask you this very humbly. Is there anybody that knows more about morels in this country than you? Yes, I'm sure there is. Um, there's a lot of people that are my equal, um, and probably the one that would be more so just passed away. His name was Tom Bolk. He was a teacher at the University of Wisconsin at La Crosse, and it was he and his students that figured out the life cycle of the morel and, and what happens from the time the spore releases from the cap to the time you get a new morel. Well, just the whole process. They figured that out. Mother Nature is a mysterious woman. Oh, and yeah. I yeah. love I love the story, but I know it's complicated, but describe that life cycle as briefly and it's at a level that I can understand in others. Okay, the spores come out of the cap of the mushroom. The 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 pits in that cap, the spores are formed in there. And when the mushroom gets mature and those pits open up, that's when the spores release. You know, you see those little gray morels yep. where there's hardly any pits at all. It's more like a line in the cap. 
Those aren't going to go to spore, and if you pick them, they never will. But that's all right. There's plenty that you're going to miss. Um, but that spore floats away, and there's millions of them. I've got I've got videos of spores coming out of a morel cap, and it's just amazing. It's just like smoke, and they don't fall to the ground. They float. So they can travel 100, 200, 300 miles before they ever land anywhere. And if they land somewhere conducive to their growth, they will form the mycelium, which is underground. That's the, that's the mother organism that the morel is the fruit of. And that mycelium will form a symbiotic relationship with... Uh, it's a parasite. It'll form a, typically around here. It's a it's an elm tree or an ash tree, which are about gone. Uh, cottonwoods, sycamores, they're all good. And that that relationship, the mycelium of the mushroom, feeds off of that tree or its host organism, and it in turn breaks down nutrients for that organism to absorb. So it's good for both. Um, but something happens to the tree. Um, you get a lightning strike, a forest fire, um, Dutch elm disease. Um, that comes through, and that mycelium underground somehow senses it's losing its food source. And it's a physical reaction. That's when it sends up the, the morel itself that we pick and eat. Boy, it's, uh, the morel is the is the fruit body of the organism. I, you and I have talked years, and I learn something every single time, and I take notes every single time because I get asked a lot about the morel, and sometimes I'll text you because I got a question, and you're always great to answer. But it's so complex; it's a beautiful story, and it's a complex right. story that Mother Nature has perfected. Well, I've, I've got an interesting occurrence right here in my yard, and I've got 21 acres, but this is only about 100 feet from my front door. I had an apple tree, and about five years ago, a limb died, and I think I got three morels coming up from the roots of where that limb corresponded to. And every year, it seems like another limb dies, and last year, I think I got maybe 18 morels from around that tree. And here a month ago, the tree blew over. Uh-oh. So, Bumper crop. Uh, but, well, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking, but it's going to be diminishing from here on out. <laughs> well, you might have to work a little harder. I know that you travel yeah. and you used to follow north or south to north, and you've been all over the country yeah. and all over the world. And I am so excited for your visit here, and I will certainly be able to stop by and say hello, and I'm looking forward. If people want to go and learn more, where do they go? Where do you send them? Well, I'll be giving seminars at the Deer Turkey Waterfowl Expo. I'm not sure of the schedule yet, but there's some every day, and I'm sure it'll be on their website. Um, And I'll, I'll talk about everything morels. Um, other than that, you need to go with somebody who really knows what they're doing. Um, and some of the things I learned as a child, I've later discovered aren't true. Um, there's a morel that's, the, the, the real name is the Morcella semilibera. Other people have names for it because of its appearance. It kind of looks like a penis. I know. Okay. Yeah, okay. And I was taught that that was poisonous. Well, it's not. It's a perfectly edible, true morel. And they tend to break apart in your sack or your bag when you're carrying them. 
So a lot of times I'll just pop the top off and not try and save the stem because the stem will just be yeah. crumbs by the time I get home. But yeah, they're they're delicious. Tom, but, you know, and yeah. No, go ahead. I, I didn't mean to step on you. Oh, okay. Um, and then there's the false morels. You know, every mushroom that's not a morel could be called a false morel because it's not a morel. There are some that have a general appearance. Um, but if you have three factors that are true, you've got a true edible morel. Number one is it's completely hollow, the inside of the cap and the stem. And this cap has true pits and ridges on it. Some of the what they call the false morels have wrinkles and folds. So there's a big difference there. And number three is the cap and the stem connect to one another at the base of the cap. If the if that stem goes all the way up into the top of the cap, it's not a true morel. Now, the half-free morel, which we just discussed, um, the stem on that one goes halfway up into the cap, and hence the name, half-free. The cap is half-free from the stem. But that's the only one that breaks those three rules. But if you follow those three rules, you've got a true edible morel. The caution is these things are so valuable and people prize them so much, they'll pick one that's rotten and eat it. You know, you go to the grocery store, you see a cabbage that's wilted, and, and you know, you're not going to buy it and eat it. But in the case of the morel, people do, and yep. they get sick and wonder, gee, why, <laughs> you know? Well, we're going to save the rest of all your information for your visit here. We look forward to it, as always. Cannot thank you enough for your extended time here. We look forward to seeing no your problem. seminars. Tom, great to visit with you. We'll see you at the Deer Turkey Waterfowl Expo. Thanks for being on Indiana Outdoors, my friend. Hi, Brian. Thank you. My pleasure. So great to visit with him. One of my favorites. It's the Indiana Outdoor Show, and I'm your host, Brian Pointer. Don't go anywhere. We're going to talk about the DNR when we return. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. What a great weekend. It is the 68th annual Ford Boat and Travel Show. Of course, if you don't know that, you've been living in a in an igloo. I'd say that because it's wintertime, but we haven't had much igloo-type weather. We did for a little bit, but no igloo-type weather. All good in Indianapolis when it's the Boat, Sport, and Travel Show time. Of course, we're brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to lives.org. That's the number two. Go there and sign up to be an organ and tissue donor. Help save up to eight lives and heal up to 75 others and get those Hoosiers off that donor waiting list. And, of course, I'm your host, Brian Pointer. And we've had uh, just it's just a great time of the year. Of course, two Saturdays in a row out at the Boat Sport and Travel Show helping the Renfro family. We're doing some live taping and more of an extended format that you can check out kind of a podcast format so we have been talking to a lot of the folks who have been the seminar speakers and those that are the crowd favorites but you can't deny the presence of our department of natural resources out at the show prevalent in tackle town near the hog trough 
They have been a great partner out there. And a lot of folks use this time of the year to get out to the booth to maybe ask questions, pick up the latest materials, the latest fishing, hunting guides, and all that good stuff, and so many great activities. Today, my honor to visit with Sam DeWeese. And I'm not sure if this is a blessing or a curse, but I've Sam, you're kind of in charge of the DNR presence out there this year. Did, are you being punished, or is this something you volunteered for? <laughs> no, absolutely not being punished. It's something I volunteered for and happy to do. Uh, this is my first boat show, but um, as you know, DNR has been involved with the boat show for many, many years. Uh, we're happy to be here and uh, happy to be available to answer questions and um, sell licenses and those kinds of things when folks visit us at the booth. You know, it's I haven't missed a boat, sport, and travel show since I was a little kid, so we'll call that 40-plus years. And the show has changed so much, but the constant presence of our Department of Natural Resources has always been there. And then you guys have some great programming throughout the weekends and conservation officers and the staff of the Department of Natural Resources and different divisions are out there. Much like when you go to the state fair and the pavilion, you look for the clean restrooms and the air conditioning. But when you're out at the Boat Sport and Travel Show, the 68th annual Ford Boat Sport and Travel Show, this is a place where you can get a lot of your questions answered, as you said, by licenses. But there's so much more that goes on. What can people expect when they come to the show and come to the DNR pavilion, DNR booth? Well, absolutely. So first thing is to find us. Uh, we're, we are in Tackletown, but if you look up, you will see a banner that's about 60 feet long that says DNR Indiana, Indiana Department of Natural Resources. So if you're coming through, just look up, you'll see us, and you'll be able to find us. But we do have uh, different programming uh, available. We'll have our Department of Fish and Wildlife here uh, to answer a lot of questions, and they'll have different programming. and They'll bring, um, you know, in some examples of different species and things like that that, uh, that are both invasive and the natural uh, to Indiana. Uh, we'll have our conservation officers here um, every day of the week uh, to answer questions, and then they, they will bring their uh, canine partners on Saturday the 25th for about four hours from about 10 to 2. Uh, and then on the weekend of Saturday the 18th, uh, we'll have uh, – uh, some birds here uh, for folks to interact with, and then we'll have uh, our slimy friends, the snakes, here oh, on boy. the 25th from 10 to 2. You know, I know you and I haven't physically met, but I hate snakes. And poor Jarrett, over the years of doing Indian Outdoors all these years, he knows how much I hate the snakes. I don't hate them personally. I just They just creep me out. But I know a lot of folks love them. But you, t- you talk about the birds and the raptors that are there. I remember... Gosh, it was a couple years ago. I was not really paying attention. I might have been talking to somebody. I might have had a beer. I don't know. And I walk around the corner, and there is this massive bald eagle, literally like two feet from my face. And they are so stunning, and it's so great. And I just watched the kids' faces, and I saw the people crowded around and people asking questions. When you can get up that close and personal to a bird of prey, especially a bald eagle, it's special. It is. It's very special. And it gives you the sense of just the scale of some of these animals as well, of just how big they are uh, and how beautiful they are. And we have folks who are professionals of dealing with these birds and dealing with these different animals. So it's just a lot of fun to be able to ask them questions and get to know the animals a lot better. You know, I heard you say the 
the weekend of the Deer Turkey Waterfowl Expo, the second weekend of the show, I heard you say the canines are going to be out there. I have kind of a special connection because we've been doing this show, Indiana Outdoors, for a very long time. And when the canine program was introduced, how it has grown and the value of these incredible partner relationships between the officers and the canines have solved so many crimes, so many problems, investigations, and we highlight that as much as we can. But when you get up close and personal with those great, wonderful, majestic dogs that wear that badge, they are, they are the same officer caliber as their handlers, and there's a very special relationship with them. And not just anybody, no matter how old you are, those, those dogs uh, are worthy of everyone's respect. Absolutely. They do um, a lot of work and, and obviously help the uh, law enforcement officers uh, when they're um, investigating different cases and, and out in the field. And when you get to see them here at the Boat and Sport Travel Show, uh, you know, they're quote unquote off duty. And so you may even get to pet one and just kind of sit down and, um, you know, be able to play with the dog. Um, but, yeah, they're um, highly, highly trained, highly skilled. Um, and they are—they wear a badge for a reason. They are 100% a um, conduit of the officer himself. Absolutely. And, you know, don't try to feed him a snack of a corn dog. I tried no, that one no, time. No, no, don't do that. Officers, <laughs> don't take kindly to that. You see a big fat guy like me going up with a corn dog, you want to give the dog a treat. But, no, they're working, uh, they're working uh, officers, and it's a great thing. So you're out there for the the entire run, of course, opening weekend and then back again Wednesday for the Deer Turkey Waterfowl Expo. Two shows in one. Stop by, say hello, uh, get all your questions answered, pick up all the latest materials, the recreation, the hunting, fishing, all that good stuff, the guides that are out there. Buy your licenses. DNR needs the money. (laughs) That's what I say. Go buy your licenses. Absolutely. We appreciate it. And we also have the the boat permits that you'll need on hand and some other, um, like we have our turn in a poacher hat and some shirts and some other things and some other giveaway. So come on out and see us. We'd be happy to answer your questions and we look forward to seeing everyone out. Sam, it's great to visit with you. You got a busy run out there, but we'll look forward. I'll say hello when I get out there. Maybe we'll have a chance to say hello and keep up the good work. Does this mean that you get institutionalized into planning the state fair as well? It does. God so, love you. Uh, come out and come out and visit us. Uh, uh, the last week in July and throughout August, we'll be at the DNR building, uh, and we'll have a little, a little bit of a different look and feel to the to the uh, building this year. Sam, great to visit with you. Thanks for all you do. Best of luck, and stop by and uh, say hello to our friends at the DNR. Good luck this week. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, pre- appreciate you, Sam Deweese. He's organizing all the events out at the DNR uh, space at the Boat Sport and Travel Show. Don't go anywhere. It's Indiana Outdoor Show. I am your host, Brian Pointer. We're brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives.org. We're just getting this thing started. I'm just getting ramped up. I'm so excited. Don't go anywhere. It's, we're going to be back right after this. So excited. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. Why am I so excited, you ask? Well, it's the opening weekend of the 68th annual Ford Boat Sport and Travel Show. If you've listened, you know that already. If you've listened any time this year, you've known that because we've been previewing this for weeks. And we always like to highlight those that are the crowd favorites. 
and we've talked to many of them. And this, a little later on this morning, I'll be out there doing some live podcast and broadcasting for the Renfro's in the Travel Cafe, which is in the Travel and Tourism Building right next to Tackletown. And one of those that is front and center of Tackletown and is one of the greatest uh, attract one of the great uh, folks out there who's makes the show so special is Mark Martin. He's a guide. He's a captain. He's Hall of Famer, known for walleye. You and I had an opportunity, Mark, a couple years ago to sit on that stage, and it was one of my favorite interviews that day. And you have truly revolutionized the uh, sport of walleye fishing, and you're one of the greatest teachers. And you. Uh, I just can't say enough about you and all the work that you do. And I'm looking forward to it because you're going to be with me in the seat up on that stage for an extended conversation. But first and foremost, thank you so much for giving us a little bit of your time here on Indiana Outdoors. How have you been? I've been fantastic. And uh, it's going to be fun to get back down there and uh, see all of you again and talk with all the people down there that I made friends with few years back and make some more friends and educate some more people and enlighten them on some of the techniques and that they can go out and be more successful. Well, I already mentioned you're a Hall of Famer for your walleye. You are a guide, you're a captain, you're a speaker, you're a teacher. And I know that's what you love to do. And when you get up there and give your sessions, it's a true passion of yours. Your record speaks for itself. And certainly uh, you've written books and videos and you love to share. Where'd that come from? Well, it came from, uh, I guess my dad um, lighting the fire back when I was a little kid. And uh, Taken me all the time. So he was one of the instrumental people. My grandfather, too, they both kind of put me, uh, you know, first it seemed like, well, they like to fish, okay? They like to fish, and I was the scapegoat that Mark has to go fish, Mark wants to go fishing, and then pretty soon they took me fishing so much that then I did want to go fishing because <laughs> you know how much fun it really was. <laughs> well, you know, everybody hopefully has a mentor, and it sounds like your dad and grandfather were that, and your record, your professional career has been distinguished. Where did the title of the original champ come from? Well, um, you know, I started fishing walleye tournaments, the MWC and a few other little ones that were around. And finally, you know, I mean, MWC was huge, you know, at the time. And then came the professional walleye trail. And that's where all the real professionals were. That's where you gathered them all from around the United States. And the first year I went in qualified, which... You know, it's kind of amazing for somebody that is a, just kind of a fledgling getting into it and beating uh, so many of my uh, heroes, so to speak, and and then going right on and to the championship and winning the championship. And I was tagged from that time on as the original champ of the professional walleye trail. So I just abbreviated that into my emails and everything else. Well, I know that you have you have so many other little taglines and your your monikers, but you're known as Mr. Walleye at night. You've the original champ. You're just you kind of set the stage. You've been world champion. You've been angler of the year. You have so many accolades. Is there anything left to learn about walleye fishing? 
Oh yeah, I, I'll never learn it all. I I just I learn from the students that I teach in in the schools that I do. I just got through with the ice fishing school up on Mullet Lake here uh, yesterday, and uh, you know you, you learn from them because you send them out with all your ideas and all my pro staff's ideas and. They put it, you know, you help them put it together and go around and see how they're doing. And all of a sudden they may put a little different spin on what you've been using all these years. And you're like, okay, how'd you, how'd you get these fish? And they'll reel up and maybe there's a little change they make. So I can learn from everybody, you know, and if you don't keep an open mind and open eyes, um, you know, you're always going to learn your whole life until they put you under well, when you started this and you became the the world champion and gosh, dating way back to the early 90s and here you are all these years later, did you ever imagine that professional fishing, trail fi- trail tournament fishing whether it's bass, walleye, crappie would bring the type of reward, the type of of prize money that's in it today? It's 24 hours a day, 7 days a week on TV on every subject and it seems like it's an, an onslaught and a barrage, but when you started all this, did you foresee where this was going to go? No, not at all. I, I amazed that that kids can get scholarships if they, you know, high school, then they can go to college and, and actually get a, or a, some kind of scholarship right for their fishing ability. And I sure wish I had that opportunity, <laughs> but long gone but there's so many opportunities out there and i i kind of take pride a little bit and uh, when i was young i uh, went and always brought my fishing pole to school because the school was right on the river grand river and i'd go out back during my breaks and catch bass bluegill walleye not walleye but uh perch and stuff like that but uh you know, the kids started to come out. What's Mark doing out there? Well, they came out all the time, and then they started bringing their fishing pole, and I helped them catch fish, and it was fun watching my peers get excited about fishing. And then the next thing, I seen the superintendents and the teachers and the principals sneaking around the corner <laughs> of the football field. They are going to catch us. They're going to catch us drinking, smoking, doing something. Cause we're not out there doing anything right. And they come around the corner, and we're all fishing, and they're like, Wow, and they started like not participating, but walking around talking to us about fishing and looking at the fish we were catching and going, we didn't know these were out here. And, uh, you know, so then, of course, the counselor cornered me and, you know, he always cornered me every Monday to see what my mom or my dad <laughs> and grandpa and I took, where they took me and what, you know, and then all of a sudden I'd see him show up. But anyhow, I just left high school and my counsel, guidance counselor, they instituted uh, one credit that towards college, and they had a fishing class at the Spring Lake High School where you could, every every quarter, you could take a fishing thing. And they brought me back. Said, I love it. For one, one day every quarter that we have this. And I went, wow. So that was the, you know, kind of beginning of my teaching. And, you know, and then I seen that they're having these tournaments and, you know, I read about them, seen them and said, Hey, you know, I want to, you know, I was a guide at that time. And I said, I, I'm going to try to go up head to head against all these people I read about. And I, I love did. It. And I beat up the first one I, I won against 
my dream guys, you know. I went, wow. And, and they went, wow. And that's where I met Gary Roach. And, and I, he took me under his wing because he must have seen something there. And that, you know, springboard in my career. I love it. Uh, quite, and, and he is best friends with Al Linder. So so that's how I got to meet them. And and the rest uh, is history, as they say. Hey, I don't oh, want yeah. you. I don't want you to give away all your stuff because you and I got a long session coming up here in just oh, a couple yeah. hours. <laughs> Why don't uh, we're going to save that so people can go, uh, get online and watch our broadcast? And uh, you're going to be on the in the uh, Tackle Town. I can't thank you enough. Mark Martin is going to be with me out there in a little bit. Hopefully, everybody listening will be out at the Boat Sport and Travel Show this weekend. Mark, as always, one of the most gracious, hardest working guys. We look forward to it. And thanks so much for being a part of Indiana Outdoors this morning. Well, looking forward to being there and seeing everybody. We'll talk to you soon. My pleasure. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. One of the greatest guys. Love talking to him. It's the Indiana Out. It's the Indiana Outdoor Show. I was about to say it's the Boat Sport and Travel Show, but it is the Indiana Outdoor Show. And I'm your host. Don't go anywhere. We're going to be back right after this. made everybody so mad it is the indiana outdoor show ran way too long but when you get mark martin on the phone my gosh what can you do i am so thrilled to be a part of indian outdoors thrilled to be a part of the 68th annual ford boat sport and travel show i ran way too long i got producers mad so just know remember turn in a poacher everybody 1-800-TIP-I-D-N-R see at the 68th annual ford boat sport and travel show stop by and say hello we'll be in the travel cafe have a great weekend Make your trip out.